Today's daf is daf yud in the Hilgim Masechah Saita, and we're going to pick up from the very second line. We're going to the middle of the story of Shimshon Hagibor. All right, story of Samson, and we're going to go a little bit back and forth in uh, in the story, quoting various psukim, and then it's going to the, the, the way we got onto this is because the Gemara was describing the midah connected midah, the measure for measure that HaKadosh Baruch Hu deals with us in the world. We got onto the measure for measure, how it works with the sota. Her punishment is measure for measure for how she behaved, which led us on to Shimshin. Also, we're going to learn a lot of midah connected midah on the previous dafin. We mentioned the measure for measure that existed in the story. And today that will continue. We're going to learn a lot as well about the story of Yehuda and Tamar. What happened over there, as well as get into uh, Avram Avinu and his hospitality. And then, Bez Hashem, we're going to have a new Mishnah um, on... Or actually, a new quote from the Mishnah towards the bottom of Yudom Bez, but continuing on in Agartha. We have a, we're in the middle of some fascinating Agartha Dafin, and without further ado... Let us get going. Line number two on Dafyuramad Alaf Vigdalanar by Rachel Hashem. Shimshon's parents were instructed to take on the laws of Naziris for them and then as well for their future child who's going to be Shimshon. So Shimshon grew older and he was blessed by Hashem. In what way was he blessed? So the Gemara says he was very fertile. Even though his physical body around his male organ was was uh, standard, despite his in, uh, incredible strength, but the power of his fertility of his zera was much stronger than a regular person. Shimshon, after he was taken into captivity, asked, requested that even though he had lost his strength at that point, his incredible strength that we're going to learn about shortly, he was able to carry uh, gates that were 120 feet wide uh, on his uh, on his shoulders, 90 to 120 feet wide, 60 amas. But uh, they, uh, after his weakness was revealed through his wife Dalila, he was taken into captivity. And they wanted, the Plishtim wanted to showcase and embarrass him. And when he was taken into this stadium filled with thousands and thousands of people, he requested of Hashem to have one last hurrah uh, in, order to, uh, in order to wipe them out and kill the Plishtim and uh, bring Kvayt Shemayim, bring glory to Hashem's name. Amar Rav, Rav says, Amar Remember the 22 years that I judged Yisrael? Shimshon wasn't just a strong man. Shimshon, physically, Shimshon was a tremendous tzaddik. And he was a shofet. He was a judge. He judged Kla Yisrael in good faith for 22 years. He says, please remember that those 22 years, I never asked anybody to do anything for me, which basically means that he never took advantage of his position. Um, in uh, the, the power of his position to lord over anybody else. So he asked in that schus that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should give him the strength during that specific time where he was in the stadium and they were looking to embarrass him. Within the story of Shimshon, this is before he was taken into captivity, he wanted to, to uh, as he was fighting the Plishtim, one of the things that he did is he took foxes and he lit their tails on fire and had them run through 
uh, fields in a way where um, in a way where um, they're going to start wildfires. That was one of his things. Why did he choose foxes? So this, this is also very much connected to the measure for measure, the midah connected midah. Omer of Avo, Omer of Aivai, Barnegdi, Omer Chiyabarabo, Omer Shimshin, Yavai, Mishachayzel, Achayrav. Apparently, and, uh, foxes don't turn around and run away. They back up. So l- let me take these types of animals. V'yifram, Yiplishtim, Shechazim, B'Shvuasam. And this is going to be how I take, um, I take payment. Uh, consequences for the plushtim who backed out of their oath. What oath? This is referring to the oath between Avimelech, the king of, of uh, from the from uh, plushti, the plushti king, and Avram Avinu, that their children aren't going to be at war with each other or subjugate each other. And now that the plushtim backed away, backed out of that promise, so too we're not held accountable for uh, for the bris. For the promise anymore. Shimshin ripped up the walls and gates of the city of Aza and carried them on his shoulders. So his shoulders weren't literally 60 amas wide, but they were able to carry. These incredibly heavy gates that were 60 Amos wise. After he, we're now going to go back into where Shimshon was taken, uh, was captured. Um, so he was taken, he was grinding things in the prison. What does that mean? And what's he grinding? Rabbi explains, is referring to the Avera, referring to a sin, as we're going to see shortly. The sin of sexual of uh, forbidden sexual relations. That my wife is is uh, is grinding together with another man. People would bring their wives to see Shimshin, and then they would become pregnant, uh, even if it wasn't from him per se. But when they would go back to their husbands, they would think about the power and strength of Shimshin, and that would put, uh, they were hoping that that would put the power and strength into their Polishti children. This is learned out from the story of Yaakov and Lavan, when Yaakov and Lavan made their pact that Yaakov's going to get the spotted sheep and the striped sheep, right? What did he do? So he had them, he put up the poles, and he had them see the spots and the stripes, and depending on what they saw at the time of, of relations, what was on their mind, that impacted the the looks and the physicality of the other sheep. So too, it applies by human beings. Whatever is on the minds of parents at the time that they're together also has an impact on the physical realities of their children. So the Plishtim would send their wives to see Shimshin, where even if he wasn't directly impregnating them, when they would go back home, they would have this on their minds and it would give them Stronger children. Omar of Papa. Papa says, "Hainu damri inshi kame de shase chamra chamra kame refaika giridaya duvla." Bring wine to one who drinks wine. Bring vegetables to one who plants uh, plants vegetables. And ultimately, Shimshin, who was marrying uh, plishti women, so they brought him the women with that hope. You should know uh, the, the same. Once we're talking about Shimshin. And he went after Plishti women, so the Plishti women came to him. You should know that if a person is loose in their, in their uh, morality, then their wife is going to mirror that. 
Shenemar, as it says, Nifta Libi Al Isha, if my heart was ever mefate on a woman, I'm interested in a woman, Val Pesach Rei Aravti, and I'm ever uh, at the entrance of my friend Aravti, I am lying down. Uksiv Titchan Laachar Ishti, Valla Yichron. Uh, also, then what happens is your wife also is going to be teichen, is going to grind together with somebody else, and and acher uh, uh, and other people are going to have relations with her. He he's got uh, bigger uh, melons. The itzei bay bitzayni, and his wife has smaller melons. Okay, meaning very often a couple's actions when it comes to their. Um, their tznias and how they uh, and how how they interact with their morality or immorality uh, it starts with the husband and it certainly impacts the wife as well. Shimshin judged Klayisol truthfully, honestly, patiently, measure for measure, like the Rebbeinu Shalom did. Okay, Shimshin, who was a descendant. Of Shevet uh, of Shevet uh, Don, so he was judging Klal Yisrael Ke'echad like the one. And what's the only one in the world? The Rebbeinu Shem is the only thing that's truly one. Everything else ultimately is divisible. V'yomar Rav Yechanan and Rav Yechanan says Shimshon Al Shmoyish Golish Baruch Hu Neker. Shimshon's name is really a name of God. Shinamar Kishem Ashumagin Hashem Aleikim VeGaimer. It's like a Shemesh, the sun. It's also referring to a a, uh, the boundaries, the walls, and it's also a protection is Hashem. So you see, Shimshon is one of the names of Hashem. Says the Gemara, well, if Shimshon is one of the names of God, why you ever let her erase the name Shimshon? You shouldn't be allowed to erase the name if it's God's name. It's like the name of a Baruch Hu. It's like, not specifically a name, but in what Shimshon was able to accomplish. So the word Shemesh in his name hints to his ability to protect his entire generation because of his godless, because of his greatness. The same way that Hashem constantly protects the entire world. The Omar of Hechanan and Rav Hechanan says, Bilam, you should know, Bilam, Chigar he was limp in one of his legs. And Shimshon, despite his strength, was had a limp in both his feet. He uh, this this descendant of Shim of of Don, who referring to Shimshon, he he kind of drags himself along the path. Okay. There were five people who were created in unique ways beyond nature with special gifts that Hashem doesn't usually give to a person. Okay, so they're natural people. But imagine if you have somebody who a usual person could jump far. Let's say you have somebody who could jump 300 feet. That's supernatural. Okay, ah, it's done in a natural way. Fine, God gave you a unique power. There's five people that received unique powers, physical powers, but they were so strong of physical powers that they reflected godliness in ways that have never been seen by the world. And who are? All the great powers that they received, ultimately, they were also involved in their downfall. Shimshin, with his strength, okay, he had incredible strength, both physically 
and uh, and spiritually, and ultimately it was the loss of that strength that led to his downfall. Shaul b'tzavarei, Shaul with his neck, Shaul had a very tall posture. Shaul was uniquely tall. Avshol and b'sarei, Avshol had incredibly beautiful hair. Tzidkiah be'enov, Tzidkiah with his eyes, and also b'raglov. And then we're going to go through the shim His strength left him, and ultimately... That's how uh, that's what led to his demise. Shaul b'tzavarei, dechsev yikach Shaul sacher v'yipal v'yipal alav. Shaul took his uh, Shaul took his sword and v'yipal uh, and he fell upon the sword. Okay, Avshalom, um, uh, which is referring to the neck. Avshalom, he was cut off. He, he was killed by the neck. Avshalom b'sarei. Avshalom with his hair, like we'll see on Dafiram Abazim Hashem, how his hair got caught in a tree and he ended up being hung by his hair, and then the ten uh, soldiers surrounded him and shot shot arrows at him. Tzidkiah Be'inov, Tzidkiah with his eyes, Dechsev es Enei Tzidkiahu Iver, they ultimately blinded the eyes of of uh, Tzidkiah by the uh, Golos, also Baraglov, and also with his feet, we're going to learn about King Asa shortly. When he became very old, his legs became very sick and caused his uh, his crippling and ultimately his demise. The illness of Padagra grabbed hold of him. Now, what does this mean, the Padagra illness? Grabbed hold of him. What is that? It's like needles inside of live flesh. How does he know what it feels like? He had the same illness. Or he heard it from his Mesorah. He got it through tradition. His Rebbe told him about it. Or he could say, The secret of Hashem is with those who are those who are in awe. And fear of Hashem, and he lets them know. He lets them know what's uh, what's going on. When a person looks deep enough into Torah, everything starts from Torah. But he turn it over and over because everything ultimately is uh, is inside of it. I actually just saw Misa this morning, a story this morning, and one of the svarim I have on Pesach called Nefleisecha Asicha. And uh, in there, it brings out Misa with the Chazanish. Chazanish is well known. To uh, be, you know, even though he never officially received smicha, according to my understanding, that uh, that doesn't matter. His godless, you know, the, <laughs> was beyond anybody who had smicha. And the chazan ish was well known both uh, for medical needs and anything that had to do with the world. He knew more than anybody else. There's a Misa, There's a story that I saw, mamish this morning. On, uh, on Shabbos Cholamayim, where there was a developer that came to the Chazanish to ask him for a bracha to build a, speci- uh, a luxury complex, luxury apartment complex. And the Chazanish says, uh, I'll give you a bracha if you bring me some of the stones from the land. So the Yid goes, he gets some stones, he brings the Chazanish, Chazanish looks at it. He says, yeah, it'll work, you could buy it. So the guy goes straight to buy the land. He signs the contract, closing, pays in cash, nails it. And then he goes to the engineer to 
to uh, continue the development idea, and the engineer shows up to the land and he says, it's impossible, it's impossible. This type of land has stone underneath it. There's no way it can, it can hold anything up and you can't get far enough down. He says, you're an idiot for not speaking to me before you closed on this. Well, who you rely, like who told you? So the developer says, says that I asked the Chazanish, he told me to do it, so I took it to the bank. He says, well, I don't know who your rabbi is, but I mean, you know, the, 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 the engineer was an irreligious guy, and he says, he, you got to speak to an engineer, not a rabbi. So the developer was a from, was a from Yid. He went back to Chazanish, he says, engineers are telling me that uh, it was a foolish purchase, and there's no way to build. So the Chazanish says, tell the engineer to come here. And he brings the engineer, and the Chazanish um, sh- took out a few various Gemaras, and he proved to him from the Gemara that the specific stones that are in the area actually are easily penetrated with, over the course of time, with rocks. He described the stones, and the Gemara, the Gemara gets into various stones that Hashem put into the world. Some stones are not breakable, some stones are breakable with force, some stones are breakable with water, he said, I checked out the stones, they're all breakable with water, which is a proof as well, that if if you keep a stream of water on it, and how much more so, if you're going to use direct pressure, that you're actually wrong, and, and uh, this would be a wonderful project to develop, and he showed, he, ultimately the engineer, before even saying it, before even leaving, ultimately came around and agreed with the Chazanish about the reality of the earth and the stones, and uh, you know, and he, he walked out understanding the godless of uh, people who are great and tired, they really have everything, and that's the idea over here of Sayyid Hashem Lireya, your Brisal idea. Hagadosh Baruch Hu reveals secrets, meaning through the Tyra. If a person knows Tyra well enough, the Tyra is the blueprint of the entire world. If you know enough Tyra, you're going to know everything, and this is how Rav Nachman knew what this illness of Pedagra feels like. Did he ever have it? Never had it. So, how does he know? Because he knows. Because he's well versed in Tyre. Darash Rav Rav says, Gave a Joshua. Why was King Asa punished? What, what was his story? So, the story with Asa was that um, he was attacked by the Melech Yisrael. He was the king of Yehuda. He was attacked by Melech Yisrael. And uh, there was a siege laid around, and Asa instructed every eligible uh, male to come and fight. So what was the problem? He also asked me to stop learning Torah and to pick up arms and come do battle. There was nobody who was clean from this. Everybody had to go. It was a mandatory draft. And since he forced Hamid to leave their Torah learning, Memela he uh, he was punished. Ksivir Shimshon Timnasa Shimshon went down to Timna. Ksivine Chamicha the Timnasa, but by Yehuda um, and and Tamar, she was told that your father-in-law Yehuda is coming up to Timna. Well, is Timna in an elevated place or is Timna in a valley? Do people have to walk up or down to get to that city? It's not a geographic thing. It's it's a uh, it's 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 a what's happening thing. Meaning, Shimshin, who in Timna was did something that wasn't considered good in Timna, so it was he was going down in life, so to speak. 
Yehuda Shenasa'alaba, Yehuda, who ultimately was raised because of what happened in Timnah, as we're going to see shortly, it refers to going up, because ultimately he, as an individual, is going to be elevated. Rav Shmuel Ben Achmeni Yomar, State Timnah is Another answer, he says, no, maybe there's two cities, Chada Be'arida, Chada Be'aliyah. One's higher up on a hill, and one's in a valley. There's only one Timnah. But I'll tell you, it depends which direction you're coming from. It was the middle of a mountain. It's the middle of a mountain. If you're coming from the valley, so now you're going up. If you're going from the top of the mountain, so you're coming down. And it's just a matter of geographically where they were, it'll say either you're going down or you're going up. Kigoyin, for example, Vardunya, Beibari, Yishuka, Dinaraj, all these things, all these places, depends where you are, whether you're going up or down. Okay. So I'm going to get a little bit into the story of Yehuda and Tamar. So Tamar wanted to seduce Yehuda into having relations with her because there was a chiyav of Yibum, and even though it's not literally a brother, but back then, before the Torah was given, it was the responsibility of the family to take the wife, the childless wife of the relative in order to perpetuate the name of the deceased. So once Yehuda's other children weren't doing Yibam, so Tamar, uh, Tamar realized that it has to be, she has to have relations with Yehuda himself, which he never would have agreed to do. He wouldn't have agreed to such a thing. And therefore, um, uh, Tamar came up with a plan. What was her plan? She sat on the road at a place where all the eyes look. She sat herself by the Pesach, of Avram Avinu, which is Makaim Shekolinaim Tsefais Leraisai. This is uh, known to be a place where people would gather, and they knew that uh, they could go there and peek in and feel comfortable. So she she put herself in that in the in that area. Rav Chanamara, Rav Chanamara, Makaim Hu Shemayinaim. It's a place called Inaim. Chinuaimer Tapuach. Va'enam, so you see Enam's name of a place. Rabbi Shmuel ben Achmeni Yomar, Enaim ledvarel kishet tova. That that uh, when Tamar wanted to be tevehim, she knew exactly what to tell him. She knew which information Yehuda needed in order to get him to have relations with her. Meaning, if he was concerned that maybe she wasn't Jewish, no. Shema eshes sishat, maybe you're married. No, I'm single. Rather accepted marriage for you, and we discussed earlier today in the afternoon Daf um, that you know this is kaida matan It's before matan so you can have a scenario where she officially converted and she still has a father, because it wasn't a gerus that we have nowadays. It was a belief in Hakadosh Baruch Hu. but fathers still accept the kedushin for their daughters. They can still accept the marriage for their daughters. So maybe your father had Kedushmi, you married somebody else, there's no chance my father Shema Tameyat, maybe you're Anida, no, not Anida. Okay. Meaning, Tamar knew how to get Yehuda um, into, uh, into this situation. Avram Avinu planted an Eshel Barashava. What's an Eshel? One of the ways that Avram Avinu hosted people was by planting an orchard that had various types of fruits. So people had variety when they would come eat in the house of Yudu. One says it's an orchard and one says it's a hotel. You don't plant a hotel? The answer is yes, you do. 
You plant tents. In other words, you put a peg in the ground and you establish a tent. That also is used in the same expression. So Avram established his tents of hospitality and therefore uh, Vaita could apply to either an orchard or a hotel. And that's what it means, Vaita Eishel. Aramavinu named the place Kelailam. This is incredible. What Aramavinu did, if you look through the Parshish and the Torah, he was naming cities, he was naming wells. He would dig a well and give it a name. What was the name? Hashem Yira. Hashem Yira, right? <laughs> Everything had Hashem's name in it. Whether it was a hotel, whether it was a location, whether it was a well. What Ramavina was trying to do to bring Hashem to the world, he wanted to bring God's name to the world so that the same way when you say you go into a supermarket, you'll say the supermarket's name, whatever your local supermarket is, right? I'm going to ShopRite. I'm going to, you know, um, uh, Schnucks. I'm going to uh, whatever city you live in, yeah? So I'm going there. He would name these stores. Remember, wells and these, uh, that's where people hung out. That's where people went to. They needed water. They so he would give them all God's names so when people would tell their wife, their spouse, their child, they say, where are you going? Saying, oh, I'm going to fear of God. And that brought Hashem's name into people's families. That's what he named it. I'm sorry, Ela Vayakri. What's Vayakri? Rashi says, He was teaching people how to call out Hashem's name. Ultimately, he brought Hashem's name into the mouth of everybody who would pass by, Ketzar. And what would he do? He would actually feed them and then ask them to make a bracha. Otherwise, he's charging them. I'm not feeding you. It's from Hashem. Yeah? Go give praise to the Rebbein. Okay. He didn't know he was related to her because her face was covered. Because her face was covered, he thought she was a Zaina. Zainas don't cover their face. They're not modest. What does it mean? He thought she was Zainas because her face was covered. Her face was covered when she was married to his kids. And therefore, now that her face was revealed, he didn't imagine that this is the same woman who was incredibly modest in his home. There's no way this is, there's no way uh, this is Tamar. But you see from here that a person who acts modestly in the home of their in-laws, will merit to have great people come out of her. Yeshayahu ben Amites. Now Amites was a descendant of, of uh, Tamar. And Yeshayahu was a Navi. Okay? Amites was a king. So, um, and uh, a king of Yehuda. And he had a son who was a prophet. So the Amar so you see, you have two brothers who are kings. One of the brothers' sons was a Navi. person acts modestly in their in-law's home. is to have uh, great uh, homes come out of them. He, Mutzes. So Tamar was being taken out to be killed because it was thought that as a Yavama, as a woman waiting to be married, she had an affair, she had relations, so she's high of Misa. So she's being taken out. Say she was Mitutseis, which is that something of the past presence. 
What Tamar wanted to do was give the signs that Yehuda gave her at the time of their relations in payment. Yehuda gave her his walking stick and the signet. And so Tamar wanted to show Yehuda who she really was. And this was going to ultimately save her life and get him to admit what's going on. But the Malach Samoel, who's the angel of Esav, who's also the Satan, he didn't want this whole uh, dynasty to start through this. He actually took the Simonim away from her and bought Gavriel Vakirvan. The Malach Gavriel came and brought them back to her again. As soon as it was taken away from her, so now she was like a mute. She had nothing to say for herself. She wasn't going to throw Yehuda under the bus. We'll see soon why. The Davin Mechtam, the Davin Amelech was a, a Mechtam le Davin, okay? which is a, a chash of a song, an important song of David. What's its expression of Mechtam? Because Tamar made herself a mute. And she was careful in her midas, so she had the merit to have David, who was mach, he lowered himself, he was very humble, and he was also a complete person. To everybody else, he had beautiful midas in how he interacted. Dabar acher, michtam sheyamakosai tama, Dabar amelech's maka, his initial wound that most men have when we're born, referring to the brismila, was complete. In what way was Dabar amelech born complete? Shanaylad keshu mahol, he was born with a pre-existing brismila. Dabar acher, michtam keshem, so too, when David Melech became great and learned, he also would always humble himself in front of others, and this allowed him to be matzliak to be successful in his Torah learning. So she took the signs that uh, the the proofs that were given to her at the time of relations that Yehud had given to her, and she's going to send it back to him. And she sent a message to the Bezdin. Yehud is now sitting on the Bezdin, right? So she says, by the way, you should just know, the man who had her relations with me gave me these uh, these gifts as payment. Says the Gemara, why'd she send signs? She should have just asked somebody, hey, go tell Yehuda that it was him. Why'd she have to hint to Yehuda that he had relations with her? Famous Gemara, here we go. To give up their life and throw themselves into a fiery furnace that was going to be her death. And not to embarrass somebody publicly. For her to say, Yehuda, you're the one who had relations with me, would have embarrassed him publicly. She preferred to give up her life before embarrassing another person. Minolan, who's the source for this? Mitamar. Tamar is the source of this halacha. Haker, no, she says, please remember. Um, the Yehuda used the word haker. Please recognize when he let Yaakov Avinu know about Yosef's official death, even though he wasn't really dead. Bahaker, uh, biser, and the word haker was also used with how Tamar let him know uh, about uh, that, that he was the one who had relations with her. Again, what's the shaykhis? Everything is direct messages. And if you pick up on the messages, the connection between words or something that you did previously and something that's happening now, HaKadosh Baruch who's sending very direct messages, we just need to be have our antennas enough uh, and our antennas up enough to be able to pick up on the direct message that the Rabbi Shalom was giving. He said, she said, Hakar, no, please 
see this. What's no? What does no mean? So we said this this morning. We'll say tomorrow in Shem as well. In Halal, the word no, ain't no Lashem Bakosha. Oh no, Hashem, Aishia, no. Please, what's be, Bakosha? It's beseeching. Please step up to the plate, Yehuda, and don't turn your face away from me. I need you to chap what's going on. I need you to chap what's happening here in order to save my life. And Yehuda said, you know what? You're right. Yosef, who made a Kiddush Shem Shemayim privately. He was home alone with Paitifar's wife and she tried seducing him into an Avera. And Yosef, with nobody looking, controlled himself. He had this to have a, a letter of Hashem added to his name. The letter hey added on. Yehuda shekidah shem shemayim beferhesia. Yehuda who is mekadesh shemayim beferhesia. Zocha v'nikra kuloi al shemayisha al kodesh baruch hu. Yehudas his entire name is with the name of the rebbeinu shalom. Yud hey vav dalid hey. Every single letter of Yehuda's name yud ke vav ke for sure. Dalid also people use as a way to represent Hashem. Dalid represents to be grateful, to be maida, to admit. So Yehuda's entire name, because he revealed himself and he, he, he admitted publicly, his entire name has, has Hashem all over it. Since Yehuda said, came out and said, You saved Tamar and the children inside of her from the furnace. I promise you, Yehuda says, the Basko, the heavenly voice, I'm going to save Three of your children from the fire. Man Ninhu, who are the three, three children, descendants of Yehuda, who were saved from the fire. Chananya, Mishael, Ve'azariah, Chananya, Mishael, Ve'azariah, who were prophets, members of the Anshay Knesset Gedayla. Nebuchadnezzar had ordered them to be thrown into the fiery furnace if they don't bow down to the Avaydazara. And ultimately they were thrown in and miraculously, not only were they unharmed, but they had, um, they had uh, anything that they needed grow for them inside of, uh, inside of the fire. So they were descendants of Yehuda, and, and uh, in, uh, in response, again, measure for measure, in response to Yehuda admitting who he was and saving three people from the fire, his three descendants were safe in the fire. So, so um, what does it mean? Sadka mimeni, minayada. How'd he know? Maybe she had a relation with somebody else too. Yatsu basko va'amra mimeni yatsu kvushim. From me, kvushim, things that are, kavush literally means like pickled, but uh, things that were uh, un, not noticed, hidden, uh, came out from it. Okay? Vlayasaf ayladaita. Fine. Now, um, Yehuda, isn't it? Yehuda was Vayosef He he um, he didn't have an issue knowing her, meaning having relations with her. Omar Shmuel Saba Chamuah Dr. Shmuel Bar Ami Mishmei Dr. Shmuel Bar Ami Kivon Sheyoda. Once he knew what happened, Shuvlei Posak Mimena. 
he actually took her in. Okay, so Yehuda like took uh, took in Tamar, married her. Gavaldik, two dots. Avshalom Sorry, we said that Avshalom was one of the five people that Hashem gave unique powers to, and ultimately led to their their downfall. So Avshalom with his hair. Tonar Abonah, the rabbis learned that's why the rabbis Avshalom Besari and Marad Avshalom was Marad. He rebelled against the Rabbanu Shlaim with his hair. Shnamar Uch Avshalom Lehoya Ish Yafa Begaimer. Avshalom was an incredibly handsome man. It was many days before he cut his hair. His hair was very heavy on him. And then he cut it. And he weighed the measurement of his hair. It was Masayim Shkolim Be'evan Amelech. It was it was two hundred Shkolim with the Evan uh, the Evan Hamelech. Okay, it was it was a, a, a hefty weight with a lot of value. We learned in the Brisa, Evan she anshe teveria the anshe tzipori shaiklin ba. It was uh, two hundred times the the weight of the Evan Amelach is referring to the stones uh, <coughs> that the people of Teveria and Tzipori would use. Okay, lefikach. Therefore, nitla besarei. His downfall. He was ultimately hung by his hair. Shnemar veikari avshalom lefnei avdei pari avshalom reichev al hafered. He was riding on the a third is a mule. The tachas shoyvech ha'ela ha'gedoyla ba'yechzak roishoy be'ela ba'yutan bein ha'shemayim u'bein ha'oretz. So Avshalom was riding on top of this mule, and the mule went under a a thicket of elevated branches, and his hair got caught in the branches, and he was uh, and uh, his his hair got stuck. And the mule continued walking while Avsholem is hanging there in the air. So he's being hung by his hair with the mule gone. Shokal Safsira. So Avsholem is now hanging there and what's he supposed to do? So Shokal Safsira, he took his sword, and he tried cutting his hair. That what happened was, HaKadosh Baruch Hu caused a earthquake or uh, a canyon to open up underneath him where Avshalom no longer was able to cut his hair. Because either way, there was a, if either he's hanging there or there's going to be a very deep hole that he's automatically losing his life from. So he's suspended, uh, he's suspended in the air. Here goes Amalek. And Dovra Melech, who Avshalom was rebelling against, he won't take over his father's house, uh, trembled, and he went to the Aliyah, the upper part, the attic of the gate, and he cried, Yeah, he says, I wish I could have died, Avshalom, my son, my son, Dovra Melech keeps calling him my son, this is the son who was rebelling against him. The king covered his face. So he's saying, Avshalom, my son, my son, many, many times. Says the Gemara, Why is Dovr Melech saying the word my son eight times? Shiva Shiva Ultimately, after Avshalom's death, Dovr Melech said seven to lift him up from the all seven levels of Gehenna. The, the last Bani was 
because uh, his head was chopped off of his body. So to bring his head together with his body, we could army the asiyah la alma the to uh, to bring him into Olam Haba. Um, before Avshalom died, so Avshalom took a stone and he put up like a statue of himself. My lokach, what do you take? Amr of says, mikach ra Okay, what does it mean? He took he took something that was dumb, <laughs> something that wasn't smart. For him to do, which is to erect his own, uh, like his own statue. Asher matzeves, asher be'emek ha'melech, the matzeves, that which was established in the valley of the melech. What does that mean? Amochin bar papa be'itza amuka shel malkai shel oylem. The entire story of Avshalom was part of the master plan of the rebbeinu shalaylam. Okay, Avshalom came about because. Um, of the sin between David and Bathsheba. So David had to have some sort of tzara that came about because of that, uh, because of that mistake. And that tzara was Avshalom. So we're calling it Amukha. It's from the deep recesses of the Rebbeinu Shalom that the whole Misa came out. Top of tomorrow's daf. As it says, um, uh, after the sin with David Avshalom, there's going to be rough, there's going to be bad that happens from within Dovra Melech's own household. Okay, this is when, uh, this is a story with Yosef at Tzadik. Yeah, when he went down to the valley, it's a sign. It's going to be a tzara that happens, and it's going to that tzara is going to happen from within one's own family. So we know the selling of Yosef down to Mitzrayim was from one's own family, one's own mishpacha, and you find the same concept with the same words by David and Avshalom that the tzara is going to come to David Melech through through his own family. Okay. Uh, let's hold it here for today, Bez, and tomorrow we'll do a quick. We'll, we'll uh, wrap up this uh, Misa with, uh, we'll, map, uh, we'll wrap up this Misa with Avshalom and uh, continue on. We have another beautiful daf of Agatha tomorrow. The current plan is, we're, let's aim to do daf at 9, let's do a little later. We usually do Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Let's try for 9.45. Okay, let's aim for that. The second minions at 8.30 should be done around 9.45. We'll do it right after Shachris. Bez Hashem, we might be a few minutes off, but for a few minutes off, I'll, I'll send out the WhatsApp to let the Ilam know. All right, but uh, for now, let's aim for 9.45 tomorrow morning. Uh, get the Vach and a uh, good night, everybody.